Um, Father, thank you this morning that um, I'm just really grateful for worship that, that um, touches your heart. Yes. You know, I, I go to a lot of churches. I've been in a lot of churches. And you consistently show up with your presence in this place, and it's really remarkable. So, God, we want to say how grateful we are that you continue to keep coming and encouraging and, and just resting your presence on this place as we sing out. It's just a, such a beautiful exchange. God, as we look at this uh, final sermon in the blessed life about the principles of multiplication, I pray that you would just encourage our hearts. Maybe we'd smile, laugh a little bit, but I pray that you would grow our faith to trust you, maybe even take some risks to, to definitely listen with attentive and obedient ears as you try to stretch us into being just more and more like you, people who give where it's sacrificial, because that's what you did for us. So give us a listening ears, anoint my words as I preach. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So if I seem a little flat today, I actually am. I have a lot on my brain, as I mentioned to you. I'm going to a service of a guy who stood with me in my wedding um, 25 years ago, and I stood with him in his. So, And he just abruptly, Jesus took him home. He loved Jesus, so no worries there. We will be reunited, but if I'm honest, I'm a little heavy-hearted this morning. So um, as I teach, though, we're going to be talking about uh, principles of multiplication in the blessed life. Now, this is the last in the series. I hope you guys have been encouraged in your stewardship, your giving. And I've said this over and over. God does not need our stuff, our money. He needs our hearts, and that's his pathway to it. So he wants your hearts. Now, I was really pondering this, like this idea of multiplication. And I don't know if you've ever considered this. Do you realize that anything that you give to God, he'll multiply? Yes, yes. I don't know if you've ever really thought about it. If you give forgiveness between people, he makes you at peace. He multiplies it, doesn't he? You, you give kindness, he multiplies, you, you offer your service, and you get energized. Don't, wouldn't you think you'd be more tired from serving? But it doesn't do that. Like somebody said to me, man, you're going to be really tired, Pastor. You're preaching, and then you're teaching living waters. And I said, actually, while I'm doing it, it's amazing. I feel God's presence. It's the anointing of God. It's my gift to teach. Now, when I'm done... <laughs> I want to go to sleep. I'm not going to lie to y'all. But while I'm doing the service, I feel energized, like I'm, I'm in my purpose with Christ. Well, the principle of multiplication offers, operates just like that. Whatever you offer, God will multiply it. You give a little, he gives a lot in return. You offer a small step, he'll give you a pathway. It's really, really powerful. You know, I just, just have a thought before I actually start reading scripture. I want to pause and pray for Israel real quick. And I don't mean to say that real quick. It's in my notes, and because Henry appreciated me, I forgot. It's Henry's fault. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. But um, no, just I, I don't know how many of you are aware, but Israel is at war um, with Hamas, uh, which that's a, a militant Islamic movement that's in the Gaza Strip. The Gaza Strip is the strip of land between Egypt and Israel, and it's been contested pretty much for eternity since, since God created the earth. But particularly in the last, um, since Israel re-became a nation, I should say, in 1948, it's been contested since then. Um, so they did a surprise attack, and there's several hundred people that have been killed at this point. So there's missiles going back and forth. And, and I've said to you on multiple occasions, if you want to know what's going on with the end of the world, watch Israel. So, you know, I, do I think it's the end of the world? I didn't just say that. But I am saying watch Israel. But you know that the Lord says this about, about people who um, trust and believe in, in what he's doing in Israel. I want to read it to you. Um, this is what he says in Psalm 122, verse 6. He says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and may they prosper who love you. May peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brothers and my friends, I will now say, may peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. So the Bible promises that when you bless Israel, God will bless you. And we should stand in the gap, particularly in this season. So I want to take a moment, want to pray over Israel, and then we'll go ahead and get back into the sermon. Is that okay? Yes. All right. So, Father, we want to come before you on behalf of, of your people, which we are a byproduct of that. We've been grafted in. We're grateful for that. But right now, God, there is conflict in the Middle East, and there's conflict around your nation. So, God, we pray just a supernatural protection. We pray for, for wisdom, for Netanyahu and how he manages 
the country and the forces that are going out. We pray actually for God a pushing back of evil with Hamas and the, the Gaza Strip. And God, we pray, I, I pray for peace for Israel, but I, it, the Bible says there'll never be peace in that region. So I don't wanna pray for something you didn't promise, but you said that Israel could be at peace. So God, I pray that you would cover over, protect them, give them wisdom. God, I pray for those who have lost loved ones who are you know, like being like just disenfranchised. Their, their homes are being attacked and blown up. And I pray that in the Gaza Strip as well. Lots of people who are being impacted by what's happening right now. And God, I pray for the implications around the world. What other nations will do, just as we read, that if you will give blessing and peace to Israel, that you will bless back and America as a nation has always done that. God, I pray that our current administration would continue to do that. So God, cover this. Go before. It's not a surprise to you. No, there are no surprise attacks with God. But God, you know what you're up to, and we want to be people who pray into that and, and believe for you to keep them at peace and believe for you to do what is just and right in this season. So we commit them to you, the nation, and your people, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, for those of you who don't know, continue to pray. Um, Bible, uh, when God gave Abraham the covenant, he said, those who you bless, I'll bless. Those who you curse, I'll curse. So when people are against Israel, God actually does take his hand off them. So continue to pray. Continue to believe that God will preserve and protect Israel. He said that he would give them back their land. He's done that. That's all got prophetic implication. We'll start talking about that in the weeks to come. Okay, so that said, back to what I was talking about. Um, the blessed life, the principles of multiplication, that anything you offer to God, he will multiply it in return. He will give you back more. I feel like I need to pause. How's everybody doing? <laughs> you, guys, you guys are like, what? They're in war? Some of you didn't know, huh? Some of you didn't, weren't aware that there's bombs flying. Um, and by the, the graciousness of many people in our church, I was getting messages all day yesterday. Hey, did you know? Did you know? So for those of you who sent me messages, because I wasn't on the news, I was grateful that you sent the messages. Okay, so the principle of multiplication, this is about, we've gone through everything. We've talked about giving being a, a matter of your heart. I, I've said this over and over through this series. God does not need your what? Money. He doesn't need your money. But he does want your heart, and the pathway to your heart is your stuff. How do you steward your stuff? What do you do with it? We talked about giving being a test, and that was, Santosh brought that message and did a great job. It, that giving's a test. Every single time you get a paycheck, it's a what? Every time you have money, there's only one person who thinks it's a test. What about the rest of y'all? Every time you get a paycheck, it's a what? It's a test. Who are you going to honor first? To whom are you going to give the first fruits of your resources? We always face the test. And then we talked about the principles of first. And my favorite thing about talking about the principles of first is that God is immutable. It, like he never, ever changes. He can't be second. He can't be third. He can't be last. He's got to be first. It's preeminence. He's the preeminent one, and he wants to be that in each one of our lives. When we honor him with our time, our talent, our resources, what we're doing is we're placing him first. Last week, Henry brought a message on generosity, and he did a really great job with that as well. And this morning, we're talking about the principles of multiplication. So Luke chapter 9 has a really great story, and that's where we're going to build this, this discussion this morning out of. So Luke chapter 9, verse 12. And we'll read it together, and then I'll break it down a little bit for you. Now, the day was ending, or in some of your versions, it'll say, as the day was wearing away. So in other words, getting towards dusk or heading into the evening. And the 12 came to him and said, um, send the crowd away that they may go into the surrounding villages in the countryside and find lodging and get something to eat. For here, we're in a desolate place. Verse 13. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, fish, unless perhaps we go and buy food for all of these people, for there were about 5,000 men. And he said to the disciples, have them sit down into groups of 50 each. They did so, and they sat them down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking to heaven, he blessed them, and he broke them, and he kept giving them to the disciples to set before the people." And they all ate and were satisfied, and, and the broken pieces of which they had left over were picked up, 12 baskets in full. Wow. So that's a remarkable story of multiplication. Can we agree? Yes. You know what's great about God? This is what's great about God. Two times two equals what? Four. Not with God. <laughs> three times three equals what? Nine, but not, not with God. You've got... 
two lows, five fishies, or five or two fishies, five lows, saying it backwards, and you've got five thousand men, which means there's likely at least ten thousand, but upwards of twenty thousand people, which is a pretty. This is believed to be the biggest crowd Jesus ever spoke to, and this is occurring. And Jesus says, "You feed them, and all they've got is just menial resources." You know, sometimes I read the critical scholars on this stuff, and I'm like, "Wow, man! Like people had stuff stuffed in their coats, and they they decided to bring it out." I'm like, really? You have more faith in that kind of idiocy than believing that God did a miracle? I'm just saying. But so you've got a, a large number of people. Let, let's just say there's two to one with the number, 10,000. They only counted the men, but a lot of the men had women with them and a lot of them had children. So it would have been a much larger group. So I don't know if you've ever really thought about this, but what if you were in this story? Imagine for a moment you're one of the disciples. Okay, so you're Peter, you're Philip. You're John, you're James, you're one of the disciples, and you're walking around. Now, mind you, you're following Jesus, but Jesus, you don't really know who he is 100% yet. Like, you know he's doing supernatural stuff. You know he's doing powerful stuff. So, so think like this, like, you're trying to find the Messiah, and you think it might be this guy. And he starts preaching. Now, I would imagine, like, I think I preach okay, like, not great, not bad. I'm an okay preacher, but imagine Jesus, he must have been like the man, like really good at it. Yeah. And I just got to say, it says, as the day was wearing away, Jesus preached a long time too. So when I do it, I'm just trying to be like Jesus. <laughs> For those of you who've been around a while, you know, yeah, you guys get the joke. Just trying to be like Jesus, I'm just saying. So they're, they're in, now they're watching and the, it's getting dark and the people are hungry and they're like, I, I'd imagine they're all together in a group. They're like, man. Dude, I'm hungry. Like, is he ever going to stop preaching? Uh, like, I'm sure this is the, like, I just imagine, like, they're hanging out at the campfire. I just think they were guys. So they're sitting around. They're like, okay, somebody's got to go tell him. Like, he's got to wrap this sermon up. He, like, to use a Brian Shen thing, Brian Shen, we actually saw him. We were in South Carolina. He was one of the original founders of the church. Brian would sit in the back. He'd always sit like right about where Alex is at. He'd sit on my right-hand side, and then he'd do this. If I started preaching too long, he'd do this. You know what that meant? Land the plane. <laughs> He's like, you're going too long. We want to go to land the plane. I bet you that's exactly what they And they're all in a group together, and I bet you they're going like this. You go tell them. No, 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 no. You go tell them. I'm not telling them. Okay, come on, come on. One, two, three. I bet you they're doing like rock, paper, scissors. So finally, Philip... Because in John's gospel, it says that Philip approaches Jesus. So we're going to go with Philip. Philip gets chosen. And he walks up to Jesus and says, hey, you know, like your preaching's really great. Like it's good stuff. Like, man, I've never seen a sermon like this ever in my life. But it's getting a little late. And like the, the people and Jesus just looks at him and goes, well, you feed them. Well, that's not exactly what I was after. You know, I mean, we've got two fish, five loaves. We don't have, like, we don't even have enough to feed us because it's like Peter, Peter's a pig. He eats a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'd imagine there's this kind of thing going on in, in the group. And so Philip goes back to the group. Well, what did he say? He said, we got to feed him. We gotta, well, how, what do you do with that? I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but what do you do with that? Jesus is preaching. The day is long. There's people everywhere. It says even if they went to the whole region, it'd take 200 denarii. By the way, that's like two-thirds of a year of salary. So that's like in, in California American culture, if you're a $100,000 household, it takes 60 grand to feed everybody. Whoa. That's how you need to think. Like you're talking, they don't have it. Yeah. All they've got is a miracle-working God, two fish and five loaves. So, so watch, I, like, I just think this is fascinating because I think it's a great story of how God might potentially work with us and with people and with our stuff. So when you look at it, I want you to think that Jesus says to him this, he says, man, you give them something to eat. Like we, us, you want, uh, yes, you guys are going to give them something to eat. So I don't know about you guys. Have you ever had God ask you to do something that doesn't make sense? By show of hands, God ever asked anybody to do it? Doesn't make sense. What about with your stuff? You ever had God ask you to give something generously that's way beyond? Listen, generous for you guys, it might be this. Like, I went out to lunch with a buddy, and I didn't have, like, barely enough to do my thing, and God said, pay for everybody. You're like, everybody? I don't, what about, like, giving away a car? Whew, now we're talking about something. We, we've done this a few times, actually. I'm being serious. It's fun. 
And it's scary because when you give away a car, you, you don't have one. You know, you know, I'm serious. You give away, you don't have one. So there, there's aspects of it that you're trusting God and you're believing him to return and restore. And, and I have watched God be immensely and amazingly faithful in our lives. And we've given sacrificially on many, many occasions. And it's wild to me that every time we've done it, we always come out the other side. Like you're kind of like, okay, so the last time we did it, we gave away my car. And I didn't want to give away my car because I liked my car. And so I looked at my wife and I said, well, why don't we give away your car? (laughs) (laughs) But when it was all done, the people were blessed and God gave us something in return. Nice. So it was really, really cool. So you can never, like as soon as you stay in the cycle with God, you'll find this, that whatever he asks you to do generally won't make sense, but he'll always meet it, bless it, and multiply it. By, by the way, I don't know if you ever really thought about this. Tithing doesn't make sense, does it? Take the first tenth of your income and, and bring it back to God. Does that make sense? Come on, you guys are all stoic. You're like, I'm not answering them. Does that make sense? Let's just be honest about it. Does it make sense to tithe? No. Not in the natural, but what about in the spiritual? 100%. He's tithing spiritual. I've been sharing this with you for several weeks now. It's important that we understand that you're not doing a thing tangibly. You're doing it from your heart and, and from blessing. So they say, man, we have two fish, five loaves. Jesus says, good. Get them into groups of 50. Okay, can I be straight up with y'all? There's probably about 100 of you here right now. If I just tried to get you guys into two groups, you wouldn't do it. How do you get 15, 20,000 people into groups of 50? That in itself is a miracle. Can somebody please say amen? This is wild to me that they were able to do this. And then we think that like whatever Jesus did, that it just grew. It didn't just grow. Like you got to watch it. What He says he blessed it and he broke it and then he set it in front of them. Did it grow yet? It it didn't grow yet. That's important to understand because a lot of times this is how we behave with stuff. God, if you give me more, then I'll give more. And what God is saying is, if you'll give more, I'll give you more. It's it's totally reversed. Like we always want to give out of our surplus, but never out of our lack. It's human nature. By the way, it's scary to do otherwise, but that's where faith comes in. When you honor God with the 10th, that's your tithe. When you go beyond that, that's what he multiplies. It blesses the 90% so that God can expand it and multiply it and broaden it out. So, man, I I bet you, like, I bet you, like, Peter's probably sitting there going, because, you know, Peter, Peter's that guy. Like, I'm Peter. I'd be the guy in the room going, oh, I know what he's going to do. He's going to pray, and then there's going to be loaves and loaves of bread. And as we give them, they're going to, it wasn't like that. Peter's like, watch, I bet you remember when he did it with Elijah in the Old Testament? Like he, he fed them with the widows and they had leftovers too. I bet she's going to do something like that. That's not what happened. So he prays for it. He blesses it. And like, I always think, I think this is funny. Like imagine if you're with Jesus and he starts to bless the food. Like again, put yourself in the situation. Okay, let's all grab hold hands and, and we'll surround these five loaves and two fish, and we're going to pray. Like, what are you expecting? What do you expect? Come on, let's just be honest. Wouldn't you expect it to be like the movies we watch? And then you open your eyes and you look, and it's still in like, I bet you one of them looked at Jesus. You, you done? Because <laughs> we were expecting it to be different than that. I think that we would have seen some of that behavior, because I think those guys were just like you and I. So I bet you, like, Jesus goes, okay, go ahead. Like, here, Peter, here's a loaf. Start feeding them. Go on. And I bet you Peter's going down the row, and he's like, okay, take a piece. Just a little piece, though, bro. Just, no, no. Stop it. That's a bit. And maybe when he got to the end of the row, boom, boom, gets like there's only just a little chunk left. Then it multiplies. No, the Bible doesn't say how it actually happened, but it does say a few things principally about how it did happen. I want to show those to you. So the first thing, first thing, question for you, where did the, the, where did it grow? Where did the fish grow, multiply? Where did the bread grow and multiply? In Jesus's hands or in the disciples' hands? It was in the disciples' hands. Again, like I said, God wants us to give in faith. 
So two principles. First one is this. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. It has to be blessed. So you've got to honor God with the 10%. You've got to honor him first. It's the offering that goes beyond that out of the remaining 90% that God will bless. He says, you bring the tithe. Malachi says, bring the, the whole tithe, the whole tithe to the house of God. Now I'm going to say something. Some of you might get mad at me right now because some of you guys might give like this. When God says, bring the whole tithe to the house of God, if this is the house of God that you worship in, this is where you bring your tithe. Okay, I've talked to lots of people. And I, listen, I've even done this before until I understood it. I would take a tithe, so let's say it's $1,000. Take a tithe, and I'd go, okay, so let's see, I'll give 300 to the church and 200 to the missionary and $500 or $200 to the widow, and there's somebody who needs some food, so I'm going to buy some food and I help them. So I divvied it all up. Did I tithe? No, no. no I didn't because I didn't bring it to the house of God. See, your tithe is not supposed to be distributed. It's supposed to be brought back to God. You honor him first with it. So a lot of us have done that. I've done that in the past. I don't do that anymore. But if you want it to be blessed, you bring it into the house of God. See, the blessing of Jesus makes the remaining 90% is what multiplies. So when God says, hey, give extra, give sacrificially, help the missionary, help the person whose car broke down, buy some groceries for the person who lost their job, whatever it is. When God asks you to give, it's over and above the tithe. The tithe is the storehouse. Everything else is what is, has the potential to be multiplied or magnified by God. So he says, bring the first portion to Jesus, and then God can magnify. So the first one is, it has to be blessed so that it can multiply. The second one is this, it has to be given away before it can multiply. Like I said, oftentimes... We want it to magnify, like, I'll give as soon as I get the promotion, as soon as I make more money. doesn't work that way. I've said this over and over and over. For years, I've said this. If you can't honor God with a dime of every dollar, you will not honor him with a hundred of a thousand. Because it's small stewardship that gets you to believe big stewardship. It took me a long time to understand that. Listen, I get it. Every, like, I've shared this with you guys so many times. It's so often we run into that fear thing like, I want this, but I can't because I tithe. Or what if I tithe? I won't be able to meet my bills. Listen, if you're in that spot, we're going to be doing financial peace in, in February. You really need to take this class because if you live out of debt and below your means, God can bless that. Then you're not struggling trying to figure out, do I, do I pay for something that I'm overextended on or do I honor God? But that's February. You guys want to take the class when we do it. It'll help you to organize your finances in a way so that when God moves on you to be generous, you don't have to worry about having it. See, you've got to understand that everything comes from God. Everything comes from God. So the first thing is this. It's got to be blessed. The second thing is you've got to give it away before it can multiply. So if you want to walk in blessing, do these three things. First one is this. Get your finances in order. Get your finances in order. I can't say this. Say this with me. I need to get my finances in order. Somebody's ahead of me. That's what you got to do. Like, I remember when we did financial peace, we got out of debt. It was amazing. It was amazing. We went from check to check to cleared to savings to having money to, to actually live comfortably where we're not struggling every check to check. So it's really important. Like, sometimes we want God to bless the mess. That's not how God works. He wants you to steward what he gives to you, and then he'll bless from there. Does that make sense? So if you haven't done that, again, financial peace is coming. And I want to say this to you, that money is way more about convictions. Like, where do you spend money? How do you spend money? I'm going to say something to you. You're probably going to offend some of you. We live in a culture, like, how many, a lot of you guys are old enough. Do you guys remember when credit cards weren't a thing? How many of you guys remember that? Come on, show me hands. Okay, so young people. Show me, have you ever known a world without a credit card, younger people? Show me your hands. Come on, be honest. Like my son's raising his hand, all of Vic's boys are raising their hands, all these young people front row, they can raise their hands. All they've ever known is if there's money, you access it with a card, either a debit card or you use a credit card. By the way, I use credit cards. I pay them off every month and they give me money at the end of the year. That's pretty smart, by the way. You should do the same. Anyways, what are your convictions? What's good debt? What's bad debt? Because there are a lot of you, like, you all are on social media, right? Oh, what's good debt? And you guys, you watch people like they're trying to figure out percentages and I can have a car payment, but I put money here and all of this stuff. And by the way, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. I'm going to give you some principles that I think are, are valuable. First off, 
Most of you don't have a half a million dollars if you live in Southern California to own a house outright. Most of you don't. But you're going to have to live somewhere, right? Okay, that's like three of you. You guys even awake this morning? Everybody's got to live somewhere. Can I get an amen? Okay, so you're either going to pay rent or you're going to pay a mortgage. You've got to measure which one's over under. I don't think, I personally am not of the opinion that a mortgage is bad unless you've overextended yourself. Okay, and there's tons of stuff on, online, like there's budgeting programs that'll tell you percentages. And I know California's crazy. It's way more expensive to live here. But also we were in South Carolina last week. Minimum wage there is seven bucks here. It's double that. Actually, it's more than double that. So it, the, the living style is different as well. So again, convictions. I'm talking all over the place. Convictions. Mortgage. I'm of the opinion, it's not an issue. Uh, it, but by the way, just let me say this really clearly. For those of you who say it's an investment, if you look at the total amount you're going to pay for that house over 30 years, that's actually laughable. It's actually the worst purchase you'll ever make in your life. Half a million dollar home will cost you $1.5 million. So don't tell me you're getting ahead. But you got to live somewhere. Some of you say, man, you got to live somewhere. So, so that, that one, like nobody has the money to just outright buy it. You're going to pay somebody. What about a car payment? Car payments, good or bad? I got a business. You don't know about my business. Listen, this is the, the rule of thumb. I think anytime you're paying interest on anything to somebody else, you've got to ask yourself, is that smart? Because your money's not making you money. You're spending money. Now, but I, I, one of the rules of thumb that I've always used is that if I can't buy a car outright, and you guys know I drive a 2001 Sequoia. I own that thing. It's beat the snot. I love it. I have so much fun in it. I do, actually. I really love my car. Would I like a new one? Sure, but I'm not going to do that because I want to continue to honor God. But if you buy a car, have value in the car. Okay, so, so what do I mean by that? If you bought a $20,000 car, don't owe $20,000 on it. Because if something happened where you needed to shift that car, offload it, you can't do it. It might cost you money to sell the car. Does this make sense? So make sure that you put enough down payment or enough like have a plan to pay it off quick. Don't pay interest to as much as you can possibly do that. I don't recommend doing otherwise. Um, it might mean you don't drive as nice of a car, but it also will mean that you get out of debt. Like there was one point where we needed a new car in the household. My car was, was nicer and we, had, we almost owned it, but, but I sold my car to buy a better car for Heather and that's how I ended up with the, the Sequoia, which like I said, I love. So you gotta decide with your convictions. Where will you pay, not pay interest? Because ultimately the, the borrower is slave to the lender. And why am I saying all this? Because if you don't live like that, when God says, hey, I want you to be generous and help that missionary, you're like, car payment, help the missionary. Car payment, help, which one do I do? Does this make sense? Yeah. You're now faced with the conflict. Now, some of you, like, you know, you're balling. You make a ton of money and you can still give. God bless you. Um, but most of us in the room are not that way. Can I brag on you guys for a second? I want to bra brag on you guys for a second. So this is not in my notes, but I want to brag on you guys. So we're, we're not a very big church, but we're big enough to be like we've been here a long time, 16 years, been in this building 13 years. I met with a pastor friend. His church is five times as big as ours. So we have about 100 people here today. His church is about 550, 600 every Sunday. And I asked him what his annual budget was. And he told me, I said, actually, what's your annual giving? And he told me what his annual giving was. And I said, really? Like, I was shocked. I said, with, with that many people? And he said, yeah. And I said, our annual giving is 50% of your annual giving, and we're only 20% of your size. Wow. And he said, this is what he said back to me. He goes, you must have rich people in your church. <laughs> okay, we got any rich people hiding out? I'm just wondering. I don't think we do. No, this is what I said back to him. I said, we don't have rich. I said, actually, we have a fair amount of retirees in our church. I said, what we have is mature people, and we have faithful people. So if everybody is contributing as they should, then you know, we have a, a very, very healthy budget for the size of our church. So what am I saying? Way to go. That means you guys are doing what you're supposed to be doing with what God has entrusted to you. And it means that we get to do what we do. It means I actually have an associate pastor instead of chasing my tail all over the place. We have a worship leader. We have an administrator. I know churches our size nowhere close to that. 
I met with another pastor. He said, I have a lot of pastor friends. And I asked him the same question. He said, I'm the only staff person. I said, you're the, and his church about the same size as ours. I said, you're the only staff person. And he said, yeah, we don't have money to do otherwise. So listen, thank you for being faithful. That's what I'm saying to you. Because if you're faithful, we can build you, run programs, teach classes, do midweek service. All the ladies are going to the women's retreat next week. All of those things happen because our church has healthy structure in it. Does that make sense? That, that's awesome. And that doesn't happen if you're not faithful. So again, back to convictions, though. Where are you going to put money? What should you have debt in? What shouldn't you? Incidentally, unsecured debt, that would be credit card type stuff, it is the worst debt and the most expensive debt. If you have a balance on a credit card, you're probably paying in excess of 20% in interest, probably closer to 30. So when the balance rolls over, 30% is being added on every single time. So I got a question for you. You ever looked at bank buildings? You ever noticed how nice bank buildings are? You never ever noticed how nice the furniture is and how well air conditioned they are? Anybody? Seriously, you ever notice this? You ever notice like you drive by the Chase building, Citibank building, and it's a high rise and it's beautiful. That's you paid for it. I'm being serious with you all right now. They're taking your money. They're investing your money and they got big, giant buildings. And if you're not stewarding your money wisely, you're going broke. You're paying for it. So just be smart about where you're doing it. Okay, so. Convictions. Establish your convictions. If you don't have them, take financial peace. That will help you. It's the Dave Ramsey course. It's brilliantly done. and It'll help you get to a place where you can live at peace in, within your finances. Okay, the next thing is this. Don't manipulate. Man, listen, God is... So, so this is what happened for us. As a church, I would never teach on giving. For those of you who've been around forever, I think we were like seven or eight years in as a church the first time I taught on giving. Never taught on giving. The box is in the back. It's right there. I wouldn't even say that. I wouldn't even say give if you want to. Like we say something, I would never said anything. Actually, all the way up to COVID, we never said anything. Because in COVID, no one was here. So they were like, how do we give, pastor? Oh, you got to go online. You got to do that. Never said anything. Like the box there, you want to give, give. No big deal. God provides, no big deal. And I would always take this like noble, if God guides, God provides. Well, that's true. But what about discipling you? What about teaching you how to live in blessing? What about teaching you how to do with the stewardship or the resources God? What about teaching you how to steward those things? You know, the Bible talks more about money than almost any other topic because it, it's the avenue to our hearts and God wants our hearts. So listen, I never manipulated. I would never spin. I would never like, I remember the first time I was talking with, um, how many of you guys remember Dave Gillery, Big Dave? By the way, Big Dave ain't Big Dave anymore. He's now little Dave, he's skinny now, which is really cool. He's way healthier. But uh, we, the, one of the first times he came to our church, there was a fire in a village in Thailand and we were about to go to Thailand. So this is like February, March, and we have a trip planned. I think it was in June. And they, they said, hey, there was a fire. Well, the, the villages are grass huts, so if they catch fire, they, they burn. I told this story, I want to say, a month ago. Anyways, we took an offering. And in that offering, I, we didn't raise a ton. I want to say it was like $4,000 or something like that. And then the church matched it, so we sent more money than, than what that was. And we got to go and then minister to the people. He said, I have never been in a place that celebrated, and this is what he said, such a small amount of money he said, and you didn't manipulate. He said, I remember when, you, when they told you what the number was because we took the offering and then they counted it and before the end of service, they told me. And when I shared it with the church, I was emotional. And he said, over $4,000. He said, the church that I came from, they do offerings like that and it'd be like 50 grand, 80 grand. And not for anything as noble as what you're talking about. So listen, listen, don't manipulate. Whatever your need is, don't manipulate. Don't do the woe is me and I wish I had. Don't let God provide for you. We've behaved that way as a church. The teaching on giving now is because I want you to be blessed, not because we need it. We're doing fine. But every three, four years, well, two to three actually is what I'm supposed to do it. But this is six years since the last time I taught it. We teach something on stewardship. Okay, so don't manipulate. Remember this. Your motives need to be right with God. And then this. Give it away. Give offerings. Make sure that you're tithing. Start there and then start asking God where you can bless over and above. By the way, it doesn't have to be gigantic numbers. So we got olive crest coming up. Do a basket. Do, that's a great place to start. By the way, parents, you wanted to disciple your kids to be generous? 
put them on your hip and take them to the grocery store and say, we're going to buy this list and we're going to do it for a family we don't know. And you're going to teach them to be generous and you're going to pray over the basket that it would be a blessing to the other family. You're going to take all that's how you teach your kids. We did this with our kids. I mean, you remember back in the day, we used to do turkey drives, and we would take them down to the homeless outreach with Heart of Jesus. Marcy, where are you? Right there. Uh, and we would have like 100 turkeys to give away. Everybody, we had frozen turkeys everywhere. And we'd, we'd be playing worship, and we just would be blessing people. It was so much fun. When are we going to do that again? We need to do that again, don't we? I don't know. It's, the truth is they won't let us in the parks. They, actually, the city stopped us from doing it. We didn't stop doing it. They stopped us from doing it. So, but anyways, I would like to find another avenue to be a blessing. All of Crest is great, but that's a great place to start. Teach your kids to be generous. Teach your kids to take them with you, fill the basket. Some of you have grandkids, teach your grandkids. Generosity is observed and learned that way, way more than it is. You can't tell a kid, share your toy. They won't. But if you model for them sharing, they will. So it's a really, really valuable way. So give it away, give offerings, make sure you're tithing, do it over and above. Uh, man, it's wild that, that in the church, and most churches, not our church, praise God, average in the church is 5 to 7% of Christians actually give a tithe. That, that's, that, that's a real number. An actual tithe, unrestrained, undesignated. I go to my church, I bring 10% to the storehouse, I don't say anything about it. 5 to 7% of Christians actually do that. Some will give, won't be a tithe. Some will direct it, won't be a tithe. Some don't give at all. Our church, the truth is, we're, we're very generous, and I'm blessed by that. You know, so in Malachi, he said, God said it this way through Malachi, will a man rob God? And yet you're robbing me, and you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. I want you to notice, God expects you to tithe, and he also expects you to give what? Offerings, it's both. He expects you to be generous over and above. And then he says this, you're cursed with the curse because you're robbing me. So listen, sometimes when, when finances are tight, it's because we're not handling them well. It has nothing to do with people are still in my, it has to do with we're just not practicing God's way. I want to encourage you, practice God's way. Remember, three levels of giving. There's tithing, there's offerings, and then there's painful offerings. <laughs> no, it's when God asks you to give way over and above. Like most of us, even the offerings we give, we don't feel it that much. God says, hey, do a basket, $40. Most of us in the room, $40 is not going to bankroll us. Not a big deal. Most of us can do that. Most of us could do that many times over, and it wouldn't directly affect us very much. So I want to encourage you. There are times when you steward that way that God will entrust more to you so you can steward more. Like, listen, you're going to get to heaven someday. And when you get to heaven, he's going to reward you based off of what you do with your stuff. That's right. So I just think, man, I, I, when I get to heaven, I want to hear well done, but I also want the blessing of God on that. You know, I, I just I want to encourage you, don't, don't be narrow-minded or selfish, because that so much limits what God can do through our lives. So how many of you guys um, ever have this problem? Like, I would like to give but I'm not sure if it's God or just my head. Anybody ever feel that way? Like, I kind of want to help, but is this God or am I just feeling sorry for them? Or how about this? How about when it's the opposite? God is telling you to give and you're like, they don't really need it. I'm not helping them. All right, come on. I've, I'm telling you, I've had this happen to me where I'm like, that, that person's rolling. Why do you want me to give to them? You, see, listen. Here's the truth. You don't know what God is doing that you can't see. You don't know that your like $50 gift might be like, a, like, I can't believe that somebody is helping me, even if they don't need it. This is how you can know. My sheep know me. They hear my voice. They follow. So how can you know? The Bible says that you can hear God. Now, by the way, I, I, I just feel like sometimes I'm a little bit cynical, but... I don't hear God like I'm talking to you right now. Like I'm not sitting in the car driving along. God goes, hey, James, turn around and give that guy a burrito. You know, it's, that's not how it happens for me. Maybe for you, and if it does, I want to hang with you more because I want to hear God's voice. That's pretty cool. The way that I hear God's voice is it's often an inclination. And this is how I understand. So it'll be something like this. I'll be driving along, and I'll look, and I'll go, I'm supposed to help that person. I just know I'm supposed to do it. 
It's like this witness thing that happens inside, and I'll turn around, pull over. And I've done this lots of times, like help somebody change a tire, and you just share with them God's love while you're doing it. They're like, well, why are you helping me? I just felt like I was supposed to. And, and then you have this conversation that you would otherwise not have because it's a stranger on the side of the road. You'll never see them again. So God, I, I listen, and then I try to obey when I hear that. So it's this kind of like intuition sense um, a lot of times the way God will talk to me, this is the weirdest thing. He'll just pop a scripture verse in my head. And sometimes it's just the numbers. Like he won't give me the, the like a particular verse. He'll just say something random. Second Kings 17, 9. Like second Kings 17, 9. What's any, can any of you tell me what second Kings 17, 9 is? No, but then I open it up. Watch. This is an illustration this morning. And it'll say, the nation of Israel had secret sin, and God judged them for it. Remember, I said that to you during worship. That came because I was sitting in the back, and God said, I don't want people to hide. It gives me a random verse, and when I read the random verse, I'm like, whoa, by the way, the other verse he gave me was 1 Kings 17.9, which says that God is the God who gives you all provision. I mean, like, like either extreme, but that's a lot of times how God will speak to me. He'll give me a verse. He'll bear witness in me, kind of that still small voice kind of thing. I don't know what it is for you, but I do know this. He is talking 100%. Say this with me. God is talking, God is talking. To, me. to me. He is. He is. He really is. Are you listening is my question. See, because if you'll listen, he'll lead you. And when you honor him, he'll bless you. And he'll multiply it. It's, it's wild, and it is really fun to do. I want to encourage you, if you tune in your ear. So listen, I don't want you to get into the cycles of, I don't have enough, the what ifs, the what about. You know, we, we have to teach this stuff when we teach it to you for the right reasons. Like, it's not about manipulation. It's not about, you know, pastor needs a new car. It's none of those things. It's, it's about this. How do we continue to grow the community of faith, add things that bless your life, minister to people in, in the region around us, minister in Thailand? Like we've got a team going to Guatemala. We've got Olive Crest going on. We do lots of stuff that is outside of us. What about when somebody comes in and they need help? Their bills, they're behind on their bills, and they sit down and they say, Pastor, we just need a little help. People come in, they ask for food. We do this all the time, you guys. Like people need help, we help them. That's why you give to the house of God, because then there's, there's food in the storehouse, so to speak. We can then be a blessing to people, and that is really, really important. You know, see, offerings are really about this. It's about listening to God, watch, watch, and obeying. Because I've listened a lot of times, and I didn't obey. And, I, and you feel that sense of like, God, I didn't honor you, did I? Didn't honor you. So listen, if God is leading you to do it, just do it. Uh, watch. I'm going to put this out to you. Call it a challenge. Call it a challenge. I want you to designate a chunk of money in your income. Maybe it's five bucks. Maybe it's 50. Heck, maybe you're balling. Maybe it's 500. Heck, maybe you're really balling. Maybe it's 5,000. I want you to designate it, and then I want you to do this. God, who do you want me to bless? I promise you 100%, he will show you. It could be something as simple as blessing somebody at Starbucks. You're like, blessing Star Starbucks is evil. You ever, bought, you, ever, you ever bought somebody a cup? Hey, I like coffee. Ease up off me. And I'm just saying, you ever bought somebody a cup of coffee? Ever bought somebody a meal? And then you chit-chat with them, and they're like, why in the world did you do that? Because I'm just trying to have a kind conversation with somebody. Remember, anything you give, God will multiply. Remember that. So maybe the $5 is not very daring for you, but the conversation is. Come on, I know I'm telling, the, I'm telling on some of y'all right now. You're like, talk about Jesus in public in Starbucks of all places? You crazy pastor. I'm saying just step outside of your comfort and watch God meet it. So that's my challenge to you. Designate something. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what the something is. Your tithing designates something. God, I want to give this away. Where do you want me to give it? And then listen. I promise you, he'll show you. I'm sure of that 100% because that is how God works. Listen, God will tell you where to give, how to give, when to give, how much to give, all of it. But sometimes we have to learn how to do it. It's kind of like working out. Man, I hate, I hate getting on my bicycle and riding around the bike, the block, but I feel good when I do it. And the next morning I feel energized because I did it. I'm telling myself I haven't been on my bike in about a week and a half now, but I'm just saying. <laughs> 
Giving's no different. You're exercising a, a pattern, a, a cycle. You're challenging yourself to grow spiritually. That's what you're doing. So remember, remember Solomon? How many of you guys remember Solomon? Yeah. He's King David's son. Solomon's a fascinating dude because he was like all over the map, devoted to God and like crazy, crazy with women. He did really dumb things and he did really glorious things. He built the temple that David was not allowed to build because his dad had, was a warrior, had blood on his hands. But man, he, he does this. Watch, watch this. This is his story. This is out of Second Chronicles chapter 1. I'm just going to read four or five verses. But, but this is it. It says, And that night God appeared to Solomon, and he said to him, Ask what I shall give you. In other words, ask me. Verse 8, Solomon said to God, You have dealt with my father David with great loving kindness and have made him the king in this place. Now, O Lord God, your promise to my father David is fulfilled, for you have made me king over the people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me now, watch, watch, wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people for who, you, for who can rule this great people of yours. God said to Solomon, because you had this in mind and you did not ask for riches, wealth, or honor or, or life, or the life of those who hate you, nor have you asked for long life, but you have asked for yourself wisdom and knowledge that you may rule my people over whom I've made you king. Wisdom and knowledge has been granted to you. Watch, watch. And I'm going to give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings who are before you have possessed, nor those who will come after you. So when you wonder, like, is extravagance something God asks you to do with the right heart? He wants to, listen, you got to think like this. God wants to bless you, watch, so you can be a blessing to someone else. Here's the problem we have in America. I'm blessed. I'm going to go get a bigger house. I'm blessed. I'm going to buy a nicer car. I'm blessed. I'm going to buy two cars. I'm blessed. I'm going to have five cars. I have so many cars I can't even drive them. I'm blessed. I'm going to have a closet full of so many shoes I can't even wear them in an entire year because I'm blessed. Are you? Is, is that the picture of blessing in Scripture? It's not. picture of blessing is God blesses you, and it's fine to be blessed with what God blessed, but bless other people as well. He's blessed you to be a blessing. He's blessed you so that you could be generous with other people. See, Solomon gave an extravagant gift to God, and God told him, listen, anything you ask, I'll do it for you. Whatever you want. Man, would that be cool if God came to you and said, anything you want, I'll do it. What would you ask? You ever thought, what would you ask? If God said, you can have whatever you want, right, what would you ask? That's a tough question, isn't it? Because doesn't the selfishness rumble in you? Ooh, I want a bigger house, but I'll let people live in it. God, I promise. <laughs> you know, I, I want a nicer, I, I want a bigger bank account. I... Is that the motive? What would you ask? So I, I've actually thought about this quite a bit, and I've prayed it more than once. I, it, this is probably my number one prayer when I think, God, if you could give me everything, have my kids serve you. That's, that's the thing that I want more than anything else. I want my kids to love you. I want my kids to be in heaven with me. Want, that's what I want. That, if you could give me anything, that's actually what I'd want. And a really cool 4x4, four four, but I'd rather have the kids. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm kidding. But, but that, 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 that is probably my number one thing that I would ask for. And I'm really grateful all three of my kids serve God. They ain't perfect. They, they have their share of challenges like the rest of us. Somebody say amen but all three of my kids serve God. And I'm believing that that is sealed, done deal. They're walking with them, doing what they need to do. And I know as I say that for some of you, are like, I wish that were true in my house. Start praying. And then I would challenge you, start, be generous with God. You'd be shocked. Like sometimes we give and we think, I'm going to give and I want God to give me back more money. I want to give and I want God to give me back the desires of my heart. More money is not the desire of my heart. I mean, money makes life a little easier. Can I get an amen? It does. But it also makes life a little harder. Can I get an amen? It makes it confusing. I want to encourage you not to let your money have you. You have your money. And you do that by honoring God with the tenth part 
and by offerings, by giving offerings, by serving people from what God has blessed you with, stewarding it well. This makes sense? All right. Let me pray for you all, and and we'll wrap up today. Um, Father, I, I am really grateful for our church. I'm really grateful for the work that you've done in the hearts of the people around here. And, you know, even as we were in discipleship this week, we were talking and somebody said, man, if you look around this place, do you feel satisfied? And I said, with the the maturity level, I do. But I think God has more for us. I think there's more people. I think there's more people to reach. I think there's more people to love, more people to bring into relationship with God and into community. So, God, I pray that you would help us, that you would um, fill the seats. And I, and I don't mean that for the sake of, of seats being filled, but of lives being changed. God, I pray that you would use our little church to continue to, to heal and restore and encourage and, and disciple and build faith in people. And God, help us to be a church that's generous, always generous, that even as we encourage people to tithe, God, that you would allow us to give over and above even what a tithe of our of our income is as a church. Help us to all, excuse me, always be generous, to always be loving, to always be sacrificial. God, help us to be a church that is known for being that way. And God, in each one of our lives, I just pray, pray a grace. I pray for courage. I pray for faith. I pray that you would put a spiritual lens on us to see what it is that you're up to. And God, I ask for this. I ask, God, that you would multiply in each one of us as we give, whatever it is we give, God, that you would multiply it. When we give our our words, our voice, our language to build the kingdom, to reach people, reach the lost, God, let it bear fruit and have people come into the kingdom. When we give forgiveness, have people get restored and released. When we give healing, God, that people would be encouraged and lifted up. When we give the word of God that they would be built up, in their inner man, that there would be a multiplication of anything we offer you, anything we offer you. So God, as we go, we just go humbly grateful that you've covered each one of us and let us go with favor and faith. God, grow us, grow us, challenge us and speak to us clearly with how you'd have us give. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Thank you for making it through the blessed life with us. Next week, we're going to be starting into the book of Revelation. So come with your notes and ready to learn a little bit. It'll be a fun journey. Uh, Otherwise, have a blessed day. And 1 o'clock for the baptism at Gonzalo's house. Bring something to share. Come and witness those folks who are making a step in their faith.